0: Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950 from uh, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, but I really like to usually say Minneapolis. Um, and I am here to talk with you for the next hour with another edition of Ellie 2.0 Radio with fresh material, with fresh Ellie, fresh Ellie for you. Hmm. And uh, And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. And I'm thrilled to give you some normalcy. Okay? Yeah, I think the word virus is going to come up once or twice in this show. But let me tell you, that's not our focus. I just want to give you some normalcy about idealism and idealists and all that kind of stuff. And so we have a really great show, as I said. Um, uh, the big interview is with a woman named Diane Montine from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. You may remember I went out to Steamboat Springs last fall to help them launch a community-wide program around human inclusivity. Um, you're going to like listening to Diane. Uh, she has a lot of energy. And in my C block, I'll talk about my idealism. But let's begin with an anniversary, we're just past. Now, if I was really on the ball, I'd be having talked about this last week, but I'm not on the ball, okay? So uh, last week, last Wednesday on April 22nd, it was Earth Day. Not only that, it was the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Um, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about one of the architects of Earth Day. And much of what follows, not all, but much from, is from an April 20th New York Times piece by John, John Schwartz. The title of that piece is, quote, The Profound Radical Message of the Organizer of Earth Day, unquote. All right. So the first Earth Day happened on April twenty second, 1970. That was a Wednesday. And I'm saying that for a reason because 20 million people, almost 10% of the population of of the United States at the time, 20 million people took part in the very first Earth Day. They did some kind of of environmental activity, although back then it was called ecology. You may not remember that, but it was called ecology, okay? And so you got 20 million people on a Wednesday, all right? <laughs> Doing cleaning up, uh, doing marches. There was even a mock trial of the automobile, okay, where um, the automobile lost in the trial and people smashed a sample car with uh, sledgehammers. Now, let me just paint the picture a little bit better for you because this was the time of the quote-unquote hippie, all right? Um, We weren't even by, you know, April 22nd, 1970, we weren't even a year past Woodstock, Or Stonewall, you know, Stonewall riots where, you know, the modern day LGBTQ movement and revolution began. Um, This day had such an impact uh, that it led to terrific environmental change. In the United States, because of Earth Day, okay, because of the movement around environmental protection, Congress passed the Clean Air Act. It cl- passed the Clean Water Act. Uh, not that we have them a whole lot um, at present, but just stay tuned. That'll change. It'll go back to the way it was, and then the environment. They passed and created the Environmental Protection Agency. I mean, all because of Earth Day, and this happened long before there was understanding about climate change. You know, the original first Earth Day, as I said, was about ecology and understanding man's role in the world compared to nature and animals. Uh, Today, in 2020, Earth Day was celebrated in 180 nations and uh, making it the world's most widely observed secular holiday. The architect of Earth Day were two people, One was Wisconsin Senator Gaylord Nelson. Maybe someday I will do a piece about him as an idealist. Um, But who I want to talk about is the other architect of Earth Day, who at the time was a 25-year-old college student by the name of Dennis Hayes. Um, Dennis Hayes was born in Wisconsin, but at age six, moved with his family to Camas, C A M A S, Washington, where his father worked in a paper mill. And I'm uh, I'm absolutely remembering what the '60s and '70s were like because it was a time where industries ruled and they could do whatever they want to. And this paper mill in uh, Dennis Hayes' neighborhood or in his uh, community was a major polluter. Um, It it uh, discharged water into the into the local river, killed fish. Um, excuse me. It had air pollution that was so bad that it created ac- acid rain um, and damaged cars in the parking lot of the of the paper mill. In fact, they had to put a they installed a car wash at the end of the parking lot so people could wash off all of the acid and, and spew from uh, the uh, discharge pipes of the uh, of the Paper mill. Okay, Ellie, keep going. Okay. So Dennis Hayes then graduated from a community college in Washington State, and then he attended Stanford. Along the way, he backpacked across the Middle East and Asia. And it was during one of those backpack trips where he realized that humans did not abide by the principles that govern the natural world, that govern animals and plants and all other things. And he realized that we were really killing the planet. And he went to meet with Senator Gaylord Nelson to talk about a teach-in um, on environmentalism, just to have a, some kind of a teach-in, have a day about teaching. By the end of their two-hour meeting, they had jointly agreed on the idea of an Earth Day, the very first Earth Day. And I'll tell you, there's a quote in the New York Times piece by – uh, John Schwartz, that I just love uh, because it really kind of captures what Dennis Hayes was like. Um, I'm quoting now, quote, the young Mr. Hayes burned with a fire that clearly charmed a New York Times journalist, Gladwin Hill, who described him as a man who, again, quote, hops around the country like an ecological Dustin Hoffman, preaching mobilization for environmental reform with sober but evangelical militants, unquote. Um, Of course, this would be from the 1970s because it references Dustin Hoffman who was an iconic figure in the 70s. And so you have this man, Dennis Hayes, who – um, convince, he drops out of Stanford, convinces some of his other Stanford colleagues, student colleagues to drop out and they go and they set up an office in uh, off a, on top of a burger joint. That's the phrase used in the article in DuPont Circle. By the way, I lived near DuPont Circle um, not too far, not too long, in six years after Earth Day was created. So I have an idea where this burger joint was. And and in the span of less than six months, Dennis Hayes and his colleagues launched Earth Day. They did. Now, think about that. And the way the world works right now, I mean, you've got to have committee on top of committee and top of committee and all of that kind of stuff, although you're going to hear soon from Diane Muntine about how just a small church in a small community can have a profound impact. But that's today. Fifty years ago, to be able to go launch something that became a worldwide phenomenon, became this big phenomenon in the United States where 10 percent of the population takes place and they did it in less than six months – That is unbelievable. And one of the uh, founders, one of the people working on this was uh, the man who was also an ad person who came up with the idea, uh, the theme of Think Small for Volkswagen. He's the one who coined the phrase Earth Day. Okay. Now, that was in um, April of 1970. Uh, Jimmy Carter became president in 1976. And after that, that's what, uh, he appointed, uh, Dennis Hayes, uh, to, um, Run uh, a brand new organization called the Solar Research Institute, now known as the, Inter- the National Renew- Renewable Energy Laboratory. But he appointed Hayes to to go out and start, you know, drumming up support and resources for solar research and solar energy. That was pretty radical in 1970 or in 1976. Trust me, okay. But then uh, Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980, <laughs> and he cut money. Uh, for solar uh, so, solar and renewable energy projects, oh, guess what? yep, that fits a pattern doesn 't it um, And so Hayes went back to, to Stanford University he graduated he got his law degree he started to practice law, but since one thousand nine hundred and ninety two he 's been the president of the Bullet Foundation in Seattle, which leads on environmental policy it also what it does is it also um, funds other environmental agencies in one thousand nine hundred and eighty Hayes began to hear about this thing called climate change and um, he immediately understood the implications of it and then he started advocating that we pay attention to climate change um, and, and one of the things he talked about was how the temperature of the world, the temperature of the earth was going to change with massive ill effects for all humans and animals. And guess what? Everything that Dennis Hayes talked about Beginning in 1980, about climate change, has a come to fruition. Everything we ignored him collectively as a country, and of course, guess what we're doing right now. So, uh, Dennis Hayes is still the, he's still the executive director of the president of the Bullet Foundation. Uh, the man is uh, seventy some years old. Uh, 76 and uh, he plans to work for four more years and retire at age 80. That's what idealists do. That's what they do. They vision, they execute, and they don't give up. They just grab on. And like a dog that won't give up its bone, they don't give up on their ideas. An idealist is born. An idealist dies. An idealist Okay, now you have the story about Earth Day and all of that stuff in the C-block. I'm going to talk about my reactions to Earth Day because I remember it. All right, when we come back, we're going to speak with Diane Montine from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, about a project that I helped with last year. And uh, I think you're going to really like Diane because she's got a lot of energy. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Did you know there's deconstruction funding available now for homeowners and contractors in Hennepin County? If you are embarking on a remodel or teardown this year, consider hiring Better Futures Minnesota's deconstruction crews instead of demolition. By taking a house or building apart by hand instead of destroying it with heavy equipment, the materials can be reused or recycled instead of going into the landfill. It is much more cost effective and is a carbon neutral solution. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Business Services to learn more. Back on AM 950 LE 2.0 radio. Uh, so, Earth Day, I know we're past it, but you know, uh, get ready for it. Um, you know, Earth Day number 51 next year. And, um, and of course, um, as I said in the, in the last segment, inspired by quite an idealist and i'm really happy now for the big interview to introduce you to another big idealist uh whose name isn't nearly as famous as Dennis Hayes but nonetheless very famous in her community i have done Diane Montine here on the line she presently lives in Steamboat Springs Colorado she holds a a bachelor's degree in counseling from Pennsylvania State uh university uh she has worked uh for Uh, A long time with her husband, they founded a company called Muntean Leadership Group where they consult and facilitate coaching and personal development leadership for various organizations like Microsoft and Verizon and Merck. Um, And uh, she's also very active in her community. She's on the United Way board for Route County, which is where Steamboat Springs is located. And she's also very involved in the heart of Steamboat Methodist Church. Her personal mission is to help individuals create and live lives they passionately love. Diane, welcome to Ellie Oh Radio.
1: Oh, it's a joy to be with you, Ellie.
0: Uh, I'm really thrilled to have you. Now, we should set the stage a little bit better for the listeners. Uh, my longtime uh, listeners know that I've talked about going to Steamboat Springs last uh, September, to do some you know, work around the community. And uh, you and I got the chance to work on that project in Steamboat. In fact, you were one of the major architects of it, right?
1: Correct. Yes. Oh. And what a day we had.
0: Oh, well, we sure did. And you, you brought along a, a cooler with Diet Pepsi to keep me well hydrated <laughs> the entire 14-hour day. So, Diane, <laughs> all right. So let's, um, let's, uh, let's first talk about... Um, what happened in Steamboat? How did it come about? Because a lot of this was instigated by the Methodist Church, uh, the heart of Steamboat. And, uh, and what? why don't you describe what the, the church set out to do and where it is now um, in that process?
1: Okay. Well, we, this process started uh, three and a half years ago when my husband and I uh, were helping to guide the church in a visioning exercise. And we asked the congregation uh, a question that I often use in corporate America. And it was, imagine that anything is possible and there are no limitations. If you had four wishes for our church and our church community, what would those four wishes be? So it was really encouraging members of the congregation to imagine uh, a beautiful, amazing future. And out of that, many of the responses were about creating an an even more inclusive and welcoming environment where everyone felt safe to worship. um, Everyone was well loved. um, We could... Connect with all people, and and we have a a, a motto at the, our church. It's called "Open Hearts, Open Minds, Open Doors," and that's been in the front of our church forever. But we really wanted to live into that in new, mm-hmm. uh, more deep and profound ways. So, out of that visioning exercise, and where those answers um, sort of crafted. Three key areas or priorities for our church, and one was inclusiveness. The second was engagement, which is very related, and the third was spirit. And so, I headed up the inclusiveness team of amazing um, people in our church. and And our first goal, we had tangible goals, was to focus inward and ensure that we had a very inclusive mindset internally within our church congregation. Uh, that focus took about a year and the result was we became an officially reconciling church where we have a welcoming statement. It's very long. I won't read that to you, but we wanted to do the internal work first and, and that uh, reconciling statement was voted on and, uh, almost universally approved by our congregation. Then the second um, goal was to make a difference in the broader community, to be known in the community for being inclusive, welcoming, and loving. And so out of that came the vision of creating a series on inclusivity. We call that series Being Human, (laughs) And it was envisioned as a five-part series designed to help participants appreciate with diverse humans in a mindful and compassionate way. Okay, and yeah. so
0: what, um, why don't we paint the stage for what Springs is? So many of my listeners will be familiar generally with the idea that Steamboat Springs is a, a ski resort um, in the wintertime. Tell us a little bit about the community. Tell us about Route County.
1: Well, first of all, I think it's the most beautiful place in the world, which is why uh, we chose to live here after having lived uh, outside Philadelphia for most of our adult life. Um, though it is a ski resort town, why we chose Steamboat was because of its authenticity. Um, it's very real community. Uh, there are val- the values in this county and in this town and in this valley are all around relationships and family and uh, social consciousness, environmental consciousness, health and wellness. Um, It's not the glamorous resort town where wealth is, is, is revered and shown uh, ostentatiously at all. There's money here, but people do not show it off. So the real authentic authentic nature of this is what was so appealing to us. There are 12,000, about 12,000 residents, full-time locals, as we call them. And um, it's a vibrant, you know, right now is a challenging time like anywhere else, but it is a very vibrant, growing community. A lot of location-neutral people have gravitated here just because of the quality of life, um, as have you know second homeowners, as have people who are retiring and wanting to be in a, in a just a fabulous uh, experience of, of living
0: okay well and and it, i I will echo that it is a very, very <laughs> beautiful place um, it is i agree it 's one of the prettiest places i 've ever gone to visit. Okay, so and and um, we're gonna have to take a break in a few seconds here. How big is the church, the heart of Steamboat Springs, <clears throat> Methodist you know,
1: that's, Church? That's a really good question. You know, we're we're not that data conscious, but on an average Sunday when we were able to go to church, you know, we had two services. We would have more than two hundred people attend those two services. What's unique about it is we are one of the rare churches that is actually growing. Which in today's world it says a lot about the connection and the and and the welcome nature of our church.
0: Okay, well, it is very welcoming, and I'll attest to that. Now we're going to have to take a break, but when we come back, uh, Diane, I want to talk about the initiative I got involved with in uh, Steamboat <laughs> Springs and talk a little bit about the reaction from the community and maybe what else that rippled to. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, listeners, I've been speaking with uh, Diane Montine, uh, who is from Steamboat Springs, who is quite the idealist. We're going to get into that further in the next segment. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at, Ellie, at EllieKrug.com. Or, you know, I love to have you follow me, please, on Twitter. The handle is at Ellie Krug, or Instagram at Ellie J Krug. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hi, Alex of Better Futures, Minnesota.
1: Does your business or organization need janitorial services, lawn care, or snow services? Obtain a free, no-obligation estimate from Better Futures, Minnesota when you mention that you heard about us on AM950. Our supervised, hardworking, and affordable crews will handle your interior and exterior building and property maintenance needs while you help men in your community transform their lives and walk on a positive path to success. It's a win-win. To learn more, go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com under Business Services. How long till my soul gets it right?
0: on L.E. 2.0 radio all right we've been listening we've been speaking to um, Diane Muntean from uh, uh, Steamboat Springs Colorado Diane and I worked together last year on this wonderful wonderful project uh, that was launched by the heart of Steamboat Methodist Church so Diane before we took our break um, uh, you, you kind of laid the foundation about what Steamboat Springs is like as a community and what uh, heart of steamboat is uh, methodist church was attempting to accomplish uh and so uh, one of the things that you did is you brought me into town and this isn't at all about illy krug but i'm just you know you had that was quite the commitment because it, it cost for me to come to town and then of course we spent a day and a quarter uh doing things in the community so how did you know how did somebody sell that idea that we should bring somebody from out of town in
1: Well, that somebody was me um, and my team. So when the word got out in the community, and, and in a community like ours, that can happen pretty quickly, that we were creating a Being Human series on inclusivity. One of the executive directors of a nonprofit in our town Said you should check out Ellie Krug. I heard Ellie present at a conference in Denver, Colorado a year ago, and Ellie shared her gray area thinking uh, program and process. So I, I did my research, um, contacted you, Ellie, loved everything I read about gray area thinking, and said, this is the perfect session one to launch a multi-session, you know, five or more sessions on being human with various groups of people who are other than us. Right. So, so of course, you and I talked, and it was about a $10,000 investment, and I that did not daunt me, being the idealist that I am, as you know. <laughs> so I asked for support uh, within the church, and got about $5,000 of support there, and then um, talked to some uh, organizations in Denver, and they uh, contributed another $5,000. So I always knew money was not going to be the obstacle, and then we began to craft this very busy day that we had together. So well, you want me to uh, yeah. outline what that was like?
0: Well, uh, let, uh, let me just summarize it quickly because I want to yeah. get into the other uh, elements of this uh, Being Human okay. program. So um, very quickly, I mean, I think you and I got together. You picked me up from my hotel at like 7.30 in the morning or something like that. We went to yep. the high school and and did uh, two presentations for 400 high school students each about be, what, what it means to be othered and how to get past it. And then I think we did, what, three great two-hour two gray area thinking trainings uh, that day, as well as I met with uh, students who were, gay, you know, identified as gay and lesbian or tri- transgender and non-binary after my presentation at the high school. It was about 14 hours, if I remember.
1: <laughs> and, and about 1,200 people were, heard your message, connected with your message across all those sessions. So yes, two of those sessions were at the community college, and then two others were open to the general public. And we had, you know, over 100 people at each of those sessions.
0: It was just, it was, it was, it was, I was so um, touched by, first of all, by you and your passion, but also by, you know, the leadership at the church, because I, you know, sat and worked with the committee for, on a prior occasion where we did some planning, (laughs) You know, and so, all right, so we set it with gray area thinking, but you didn't stop there. That was the foundational. And then you have other themes that you went forward with. What were those?
1: Right. So session two was about being human with our differently abled community members. So people from, you know, with autism, with physical disabilities, and we worked with nonprofits and heard the stories of some of those individuals. Uh so that was session 2. Session 3 was being human with our immigrant community members and oh my gosh, we heard the journey of uh, of seven immigrants ranging in ages from 12 to 80 who came from seven different countries came to Steamboat for unique, you know, reasons, dreams and visions of what life could be like. I mean, it was powerful. Um, well, and, and that, let, can
0: I just stop and yeah. jump in there? And, and yeah. what you what you are talking about is about storytelling and yes. story listening. You yes. know, we're a society of those of storytellers and mm-hmm. listeners, and and people's stories grab us; they mm-hmm. do, and we remember those stories. So yes. I can understand it would be very powerful. Go on. It, okay. it was
1: very. Now we were supposed to have session four in early May that's being postponed to September because of the virus. Uh but that session is going to be about being human with our economically struggling community members. Mm. And and wow, I mean how many people are economically struggling right now. So what a what a profound and appropriate uh topic to talk about. And again, we're working with local nonprofits who serve this community. And then in November, session five is going to be uh, being human with our community members struggling with addiction and mental health issues. Uh, so that's the, the big picture plan. But I really want to emphasize that in every one of these sessions, Ellie, we built upon the toolkit that you provided mm. us back in September um. with gray area thinking. Well, uh, with your ARC acronym, um, and I'm sure you've talked about that, uh, awareness,
0: we- awareness risk, taking and compassion. Yes, I, and that so warms my heart because, of course, you know it's about rippling to other humans, right, Diane? Now, so here's the unique thing, okay? And this is why I really wanted to have you on the show. It's a, it's a church, okay? <laughs> yep. You know, and and of course, it's a Methodist church, and we don't really need to get into the politics, but we know that there's been. Quite a division in the Methodist Church. I mean, here you are, your Methodist Church bringing in a transgender woman to do training for the community. I mean, that's quite symbolic and quite the statement. But you're a church, and you've touched and reached thousands of people in this small community with this with this being human project. Um, uh, and 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 I want to I want to ask about reactions in the community. Okay. You know, good and you know, positive and maybe not so positive. But before we do that, okay? Because yeah. right now, I know I have listeners who are like, "How can I find out more about this being human project that Steamboat Spring, Steamboat Heart of Steamboat Methodist Church engaged in?" If somebody wants to get, because you have a plan, you laid it out. This is what we were going to do, you know. And and um, to the extent that you can share that, you know, with other people, because obviously that's more rippling in the world. Who who would they contact? Where would they get? Uh, what who could they email or contact in some way to get that plan?
1: I I think probably the best person is to contact me. Quite frankly, um, I am also a, a, a leader in another capacity in our church. Um, so you know, Diane at Diane. Diane at Munteen Leadership dot com. That's ridiculously long, I know. Or they can go on the heart of dot com website. Or so I think those are probably the best ways okay. of connecting. And your,
0: and your last name is spelled M U N T E A N. So it's Diane at Muntean Leadership
1: Group dot com. Group com.
0: Yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. Now um uh, in uh, we're, we are actually starting to run out of time, but community reaction—positive and, and not so
1: positive—universally lovingly positive. Oh. You know, you felt it. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, you felt it. We had great press coverage, as you know. Um, there was no pushback at all uh, from anyone that I came in contact with. Quite frankly. We're known, our, our church is, is known now as this amazingly welcome organization that welcomes all, loves all, believes in all. And um, we are a the, the, go-to organization. It doesn't matter that we're religious-based or not, for helping other groups embrace these principles as well.
0: Well, and that's quite that's very important, okay? Because people and organizations need to be shown the way. Yes. And, you know, and and there is a methodology to all of this. Yes. And and I know that when I was there, there was talk about the county, you know, wanting to start um, you know, its own inclusivity kind of initiative, you know, for its team members and stuff. I don't know whether that took off or not, but um uh all right. Now, uh Diane, I'm going to move and I want to talk about you, okay? Okay. All right. I mean, you are one of the most dynamic people I've ever met, but it's not a give. And you're working with these major, major corporations and companies. And I mean, you have a very, very, um, you know, a blue label kind of list of, of, of clients. What? What has made you an idealist? Because it's not a given that somebody so successful would decide, well, on top of all the work I've got, I'm going to go do more work to change the community <laughs> and change the world. So what made you an idealist?
1: I think really two key factors. Uh, one is very early in my career, I became really clear about my purpose in life. Um, And you mentioned that in the bio. uh, But my purpose is to create and live lives they passionately love. And everything I've done in my career and outside of my professional life, including that at the church, is connected with that. Uh, Whether it's a huge leadership team for a Fortune 10 company Or whether it is, you know, an individual who attends a being human session, I'm driven to help people live lives they passionately love. And when, when, and I'm blessed to live that life myself. So connecting with my personal purpose and aligning everything with that purpose is where I get that passion and energy and drive. Also, as I mentioned at the beginning of this session, this radio talk, the power of visioning the future and whether I'm coaching someone on a career coaching or I'm leading a big organization division, their next chapter of their success story. It's about imagining what's possible and wishing hmm. for what you want and and so i live that i practice that at every level of my life interaction so purpose and vision is the short answer to your question
0: well you know it's interesting because in the segment that we just did about earth day you know it all earth day all came about because uh, a man named uh, dennis hayes uh, sat with a, a senator from wisconsin and they talked about what would be possible about trying to focus the world on on um, on the environment, on eco- mm-hmm. the word ecology was ecology back then. And yeah. so it's the same idea what you're talking about right now. And this is something that idealists do is that they have to be able to have kind of this view of how the world could be different you know right. and and right now we're seeing that with the virus all of the talk about what we're being reminded about about how we're interconnected with each other about how you know uh, people who were who no one thought were heroes before are now big mm-hmm. heroes i mean of course yeah. our nurses and our doctors but our but our grocery store workers you know and mm-hmm. can we envision what the world will look like post virus where those folks are respected and elevated in a different way so well, Diane, I'll tell you, um, it's really just been really great to talk to you. And I, and you and I, we have these conversations where we speak on the phone and we just keep going. And it's just wonderful. But we're going to have to, uh, uh, leave on, on this now. But I just wanted to tell you, um, thanks. Um, Thanks for being on the show, of course, but I really wanted to say thanks for what you're doing in Steamboat. I mean, I'm so grateful that you believed in my work and brought me out there. But I'm really, really grateful for what you and your colleagues at uh, Heart of Steamboat Methodist Church and in the Steamboat, Greater Steamboat Community, really are trying to accomplish. I mean, you are a model. What you are doing is something that any community can do. If it just simply puts its mind to it. So I want to thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you. And I would be delighted to help any community, any group, any organization and share what worked for us. So, Okay. You, well, thank like, you. Well, Go ahead. One Go ahead. One, you know, can I just add is that in keeping with that visioning theme, I do vision bringing you back to Steamboat Springs <laughs> and heart of Steamboat uh, It just is the right thing to do because you're such a big part of our community and our lives here now. And your work is profound and making an amazing difference in the world. And what a blessing to have you in our lives. Oh,
0: Diane, thank you for that. That is really, really kind. I really appreciate that. Okay, my friend. Well, listen, I need to go, um, but thank you so very much for being on Ellie 2.0 Radio. And uh, you and your husband, stay healthy, and your kids and and grandkids. Everybody stay healthy, and hopefully we'll be seeing some each other sometime soon.
1: That would be wonderful. Okay. You take care, All Ellie, right. as well. Okay. Thanks, okay.
0: thanks Diane. All right, listeners. So we've been speaking with Diane Montine from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Reach out to her. Um, uh, and I'm not going to remember the email address, but email me and I'll get it for you if you didn't get it written down because they have a wonderful plan at their church about how to make communities more inclusive and welcoming. All right, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug at Ellie 2.0 Radio. I'll be back with my C-block in a second. Keep that- Thank you.
1: If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvaged building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more. Saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM 950 sent you.
0: And we're back on AM 950 with Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I have a red face. All right. I did not know that Diane was going to say what she said at the end where she said, can I say one more thing? Um, and I'm just totally humbled by what her words are. So secondly, um, every organization needs a Diane Montine. Every organization. She is a doer. She's not only a visioner, but she is a doer. And every organization needs someone like her. They do. All right, C block. Let me talk. I don't have long. It's uh, we've uh, um, we don't have a big long C block for this time around. I remember the first Earth Day. Okay, I was a 13 year old kid, um, seventh grader at Linmar uh, Middle School. Linmar, uh, Linmar. Yeah, I don't even know. Junior high it wasn't even called middle school. Um, and remember, I said it was a Wednesday, so we were in school, but I remember, um, you know, our science teachers got behind this, you know, ecology day, okay, in Earth Day, and, uh, we went behind the school. There was a creek, and we, we went and we picked up litter and, and, uh, talked a little bit about the environment and all that kind of stuff. I also, I don't know why I got it in my head, but I decided that I would fast that day, okay, that I would not eat as my way to contribute i i think you know to kind of lessen the impact of man um and you know farming on the world i don't know but i i fasted i did not eat that entire day i remember that in part because i was also a cross country runner and i remember getting done running and wondering what did i do to myself because um i was hurting but i didn't eat i didn't eat till next morning i didn't so um you know, uh, as I alluded to in the A Block, I mean, this was 1970. Uh, the war was still going. The Vietnam War was still going on. There were protests all over the US that were anti-war. Um, I was certainly too young to take part in any of those protests. But this ecology stuff, I could get involved in, OK? And I did. And it really – I mean, I deal with for a number of different reasons. Um, but this ecology thing goes into that. It really does. And so um, Cedar Rapids uh, – um, around that time, there was a nuclear power plant that was being constructed, and that distressed me to no great end, okay? Because the power plant supposedly only had a 25-year lifespan, although it's still in operation today. Um, but I did not know that, and they said it would you know, have to be mothballed after 25 years, and it, of course, created all kinds of radioactive waste. I actually wrote letters in the local newspaper about this power plant and about how bad an idea it was. And my, my thing about the environment, about ecology – Keep using that word. It's an old word. Um, continued. So by the time I got to college, uh, paid very much attention to a man named Barry Commoner. Oh, I, for those of our more senior listeners, I just threw a name at you that maybe some of you just smiled about. Barry Commoner was from St. Louis. He taught at Washington University and he, what he ran for president in 1980, um, on a third party, didn't do very well. But his idea was, um, about cogeneration. He wanted to create a whole system where every household had a co-generator, had a generator in the backyard where you could burn your garbage, okay, or create methane in some other way, and then generate electricity would then be powered to your house. There'd be no grid. We didn't need a grid. Each house would have its own energy-producing plant. I thought that was. Brilliant! I did, um, uh, but of course the idea never took off. And then I went on to law school, Boston College, and guess what? I get on the law review, the Environmental Affairs Law Review, and I wrote an envir- I wrote a law review article about surface mining, coal surface mining, like where you know, um, in West Virginia and uh, Maryland and other places where they do um, coal mining, or out in Utah, they like take the tops of hills off. I mean, they just like. Totally take them off and, uh, you know, leave this big scar in the environment. Okay, there you go. How Earth Day impacted Ellie Krug, helped her become an idealist. All right, I need to do a big thanks to our sponsor, Brending Electrolysis. When we're back in operation, make sure you go see Bev because she does such great work. And Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. I need to thank my my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, you are the best in the world and you are holding this place together. Man, oh, man, let me just tell you, Brett, you are so important, as well as some of our other producers, of course. And to you listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in on every Monday. I know, I mean, you're out of your routine. Maybe you're not even in your car. Maybe you're doing this only by podcast. Uh, Remember, we go nationally and we go worldwide. Um, But I want to thank you and I want to tell you, hang in there, okay? Hang in there. We will get through this. We will. Okay, that's it. See you next week on LE2.0 Radio. Take care, everyone. Stay healthy and stay well. Bye.